Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Before we jump into the show, I want to let you know that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who want to get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com slash BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com slash BS101 and enroll now. So hey, everybody, welcome back to the Brand Design Master Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Van Dusen, and today I am super excited because I'm here with Kristen Wilson. And Kristen, also known as YouTube's Traveling with Kristen, where she has 125,000 subscribers, is an expert on living abroad and achieving the digital nomad lifestyle. She's the author of the upcoming book, Digital Nomads for Dummies, and is the host of the top-rated Badass Digital Nomads podcast with over 200,000 downloads in, yes, over 170 countries. Kristen's a top writer on Medium and Quora and has been featured on the Today Show, Business Insider, HGTV's House Hunters International, Bloomberg Business Week, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post. And when she's not traipsing around the globe or helping people move overseas, you can find her behind, yes, her DJ decks. What? I have to dig into that one. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Philip. So great to be here. So Kristen and I met in Upreneur, which is Chris Ducker's mastermind community, which we're both members of for a little bit. And she is an OG nomad. Like she was a digital nomad way before it was cool. How and why, Kristen? How'd you get into this thing? It really happened organically. It was like this just next logical step in my work-life balance because I was born at that time between like 1978 and 1985, where we grew up in the old way and the new way. So I remember when we first got caller ID and answering machines and cordless phones, and then I learned how to type on typewriters. And then I also had, you know, the first generation iPhone. And like, we were there for that whole evolution of technology that happened exponentially fast. And so I was living abroad because I studied abroad. I always loved travel. And after college and business school, I got a job offer in Costa Rica working in real estate. Did that for about seven years. Wasn't passionate about it, but I loved living in Costa Rica. I loved living overseas. I loved working for myself. And so I decided to start a relocation company. And that was in 2011. 
And I was already pretty much working from home anyway for the first year or a year and a half. And I just thought, well, I've lived in Costa Rica this long. I just work at home from my laptop. I travel all the time. Why don't I just give up my house and my car and like go travel more? And this was before I even knew the name Digital Nomad. And so, yeah, I just, I did that. And it was kind of like what everyone's experiencing now with the great resignation and with the pandemic and everyone working from home. They're like, oh, why don't I move to another part of the country? Or why don't I move out of the country? Or like, everyone's kind of shuffling around. And that's something that me and many other people did on a one-on-one basis, but we just didn't know anyone else that was doing it. You were helping people relocate, but it was a very specific niche. And I was always surprised when you first told me, which were you helping people who are professional gamblers relocate? How did that happen? Niche down. That's the key to everything. Well, I was living in Costa Rica and it was a big hub for gaming. And a lot of my clients in real estate were working at these gaming companies. And then this thing happened called Black Friday, where the US Department of Justice shut down the access to the poker sites and the online gaming sites for US-based customers that were gambling for real money because it was operating in this gray area, allegedly, like, I don't know if it's illegal, like, I don't know the technicalities of it, but I just had this idea where I thought, oh, well, if these guys, mostly guys, like 98% men that were professional gamblers, I thought, well, if they can't do their jobs anymore from the US, then they're going to leave because they're not going to give up six and seven figure incomes per year just because these websites got blocked and you couldn't use a VPN. So I decided to start helping them move to different countries. So I started DMing poker players on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and got my first clients, did some free case studies, and then got a lot of word of mouth referrals and press. It was very controversial to have somebody helping Americans leave America. (laughs) And so that's how I, I got featured a lot in the mainstream news. And then had a really good consulting-based business for 10 years. And then I started at some point a few years ago creating content about the lifestyle because I was living this lifestyle that I was helping people achieve. And I saw that it was available to many more people who just weren't technically allowed to do it because their bosses wouldn't let them or their jobs wouldn't let them, but they could do their jobs remotely just like me and just like poker players. What was your first foray? Because, I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff now, right? You have a community on Facebook. You have courses. We have a book we're going to talk about. You have YouTube. You have a podcast. I mean, you've spread out your digital ecosystem pretty broadly now. So what did you jump into first? And how did that first brick fall? So I started a travel blog back in 2007. Uh, That's when blogging was just starting to become a thing. But I still didn't really see myself as a writer, I guess. Like, I've always dreamed of having my own travel TV show, but I wasn't a TV news anchor or I didn't go to film school, so I didn't know how to make videos. And so for many, many years, probably since I was a little kid, I always was an artist, which I think everyone is. I think everyone's creative in different ways, but because I didn't know how to draw or paint, I just thought I couldn't do anything artistic. That was a a self-limiting belief that I had. 
And so once I made the decision to actually pursue these dreams of writing, of making videos, of podcasting, of just using my voice and tools and the technology that we have today, it was like I wanted to do everything at once because I had been so scared to do it for so long that once I decided to do it, I just thought, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all in. I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing that. I did start with writing first. So I had that blog. I stopped doing it because I didn't know what I was doing and I thought no one was reading it. And I was like, why am I even blogging? Like, what is this for? I didn't have a good why. I didn't have a solid idea behind that. So around 2017, I decided to buy a camera, a GoPro, and just start documenting what I was doing. So I didn't really have a plan. I just had to learn as I went along. So I just documented my lifestyle, where I was traveling, started answering questions from people in the comments, and then made my first videos around the end of 2017. So teaching myself how to edit, all that stuff. And then in 2018, I started writing on Medium and just picked a bunch of topics that I knew about and just started writing about that. And then 2019 is when I launched my podcast, which will be three years old in May. So basically this month. And then the book came just a few months ago. I signed in November of 2021. So now the book is here. So in total, it's been between like 2017 and 2022. I bought my camera in May of 2017 and I went to Iceland and that was the first time I used it, but I still didn't know how to use the video. I only took photos. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's been a journey. Awesome. At the beginning, you know, you were just documenting your lifestyle, but then you said you started to get comments. Did the comments and the engagement that you were getting from the people who were picking up on you drive your content, what you were talking about? Did that evolve you into really talking about how to do it, how to be a digital nomad? Yeah. At first, I thought I was going to be a travel vlogger and I would just make videos about my travels, but then it basically turned into an education channel and also a little bit philosophy. Like I talk about in my podcast intro, it's like a little bit of remote work, philosophy, self-development, because I think everyone is a very multifaceted being. And a lot of the identity crisis that people can have is this separation of the many facets of themselves. They only develop one part of them in the traditional post-industrial school system, and then another part of themselves in their career, and then another part with their social network and their family. But there's still so much more. There's so much depth to each person. And so it's this idea of location independence and freedom, true freedom that has never been available before in the history of the planet it's so new and it's something that brings together so many aspects of yourself. It's your desire to explore, maybe explore your ancestry, like where your family came from, things that interest you, pursuing side hustles and passions. And then it's also a turning point in your career. Like, Do you continue down the traditional path? Do you quit your job and work for yourself? Like, There's so many questions there. And then it also comes down to the logistics of travel. Like, How do you even do this? Like, Working remotely while traveling at the same time? What are the practicalities of it? And then there's also the community aspect. There's the mental health and wellness aspect. It's just very integrative. You've been very successful in showing the whole Kristen, the whole lifestyle. You've done podcasts on 
dating as a digital nomad. You've done a video I just saw recently on kind of getting overwhelmed and having to stop YouTube for a while. And so you've been very transparent around your internal life and development as a human. And like you said, that whole person. Is being transparent like that been difficult for you? Or did that come from the kind of vlogging sort of thing that you always were that multifaceted or showing that multifaceted part of yourself? Well, one of the ways that I, I guess, brought my confidence up to start doing this is to think, well, I have a lot of friends. And if my friends like me, then I'm sure that I'll meet people on the internet that become my internet friends too. And so I just thought, yeah, I'll just be myself and take it or leave it. And some people will like me and some people won't. And eventually I'll attract my tribe of like-minded people, but hopefully very diverse people. And we'll go from there. And, And I think that Anytime I've ever tried to follow like an SEO strategy or those sorts of formulas for videos, they come across just more generic. (laughs) And so the videos that have gone viral have been my opinion. And I always envision myself talking to one person, like just like I'm talking to you now, even more than one person will listen to it. The more you are yourself and the more you're talking to people like real people, real individuals the more it resonates with people and the more longevity it has versus like trends and current events and people chasing certain keywords and internet trends and things like that. It's like the human condition has not changed in 10,000 years or probably ever. We've probably always been the same kind of emotional beings and physical bodies. So I just go with that. And sometimes maybe I share too much, but I've always noticed when I cut stuff out or when I hedge, I'm like, oh, I should have just gone with it. Because I've cut stuff out of articles and videos that I regretted later. And I thought I should have left that in. Well, we were talking about something before I hit record. And this was, I was recalling a conversation we had when we were in London and we were out to dinner with some people. And you had been doing your YouTube channel, I guess, for a couple of years. And you had about 100 or 150 videos out. And at the time, you only had about 10,000 subscribers or so. And I had gone to check out your channel because you had told me about it. And I was like, oh my God, her content is amazing. And the digital nomad thing is incredible. You're in all these countries. You're really good on camera. And you were right at that inflection point. And I remember telling you at dinner, I said, Kristen, you may not have a lot of subscribers right now, but you are going to break open. I just know it because you're poised at that inflection point where it's going to just completely open up for you. And I have to say to my audience, I totally called it. (laughs) (laughs) And now you have two different videos that are viral. One is 2.2 million views on why you left Costa Rica. And another one has 1.8 million views of how I see the U.S. after living abroad for 15 years. As you said, both of those are really transparent, very conversational kind of videos. A lot of people quit doing content when they still feel like they're kind of talking to that empty room to an extent, when they've been putting out a lot of content. How did you keep going? Because it happened for you. You're a thing now, right? You just got signed by a very big publishing company to write a book, which we are going to talk about. And it broke open for you. How did that happen? It got to the point in my personal life where if I didn't create, it was more painful than the pain of doing the work. (laughs) So I just decided that I need to do what is coming through me, what is coming up out of me. And if I don't do it, I'm going to suffer for the rest of my life. Everyone wants to live outside of their comfort zone, but it is scary out there. And so we come up with a lot of strategies to try to delay 
that inevitable discomfort. And I still face it to this day. Like, you know, I went off YouTube for a while. I still have to egg myself on to produce, to write, to put stuff out there because it is uncomfortable every time. And so I just thought, well, if you don't give up, eventually you will succeed. I really think that's the difference between everyone is just some people stop early. Have you ever seen that diagram where the person stops right before the graph goes up. <laughs> so I think it's like either you give up or you keep working at it and you figure out a way to be successful, whatever success means for you. Even now, I mean, the visions that I have for the videos I want to create, I don't have the expertise or the budget or the equipment to make them. But in the meantime, I can still make what I can make. And you're always going to think back and wish that you had started five years ago, 10 years ago. Like imagine it was 10 years between the time I quit blogging in like 2007, 2008, and then published my first video. So I could have been creating content that whole time. And you think of what you could have learned during that time. And another thing that happened is I got into live streaming because my poker clients were like the first Twitch streamers, the first live streaming stars. And talk about talking to an empty room. I mean, you could be sitting on a Twitch live stream in 2015 with like one person coming in and out and being like, oh, there's no one here and then leaving. And that gave me the practice of being able to talk to an empty room and talk just to talk. And and so I used to laugh when people would say, oh, you're so good on video. I'm like, oh, try doing 500 live streams to three people. (laughs) And then eventually (laughs) you get into a flow. So I think that I would just tell people listening just to do the work and just practice. And eventually one day it's going to click and you don't know when that day is. And I'm actually glad that I didn't go viral sooner because from my perspective, it took a really long time to start figuring out what the heck I was doing on YouTube and how it all worked. And I have seen so many people who got lucky and went viral early and they never had to learn anything below the surface of YouTube. They just coasted off of that initial success. I can like understand that they don't understand the platform. They're just putting videos out because one of their first videos went viral. So I think that's good and that things don't really come naturally to a lot of people. So don't let that hold you back. Like with the DJ thing, I learned to DJ during the pandemic. It took me two years, two years to even be able to play in front of other humans where I wasn't completely embarrassed. And the first time I played, I knew I waited too long because I was booked every single week for the next three months. So I was like, well, I should have been doing this way earlier. So yeah, <laughs> it's like they say, if you're, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, then you waited too long to launch. That applies to everything that you do. Like you should be very embarrassed by your first YouTube videos and you should be embarrassed by your videos three months ago and six months ago for like the next 10 years. All right. We're going to pivot a little bit. We're going to talk about your book. So you just got signed or you have just finished your first book, but it's a big publisher. You're doing Digital Nomads for Dummies. It's in the Dummies series, which is a you know, it's a heavy hitting publisher. How'd you land that baby? Well, I wanted to write books ever since I was a teenager. I used to be a big reader. I was in book clubs. I was a spelling bee champion in middle school and in fifth grade. And I was just a big nerd. I tried writing books in college about different topics like surfing and 
health and diets and smoothies and things like that. And I never published them because we didn't have Amazon back then. And when I started creating content, I thought like, obviously I want to write a book about how to do this, but I still didn't know how to self-publish a book. So I tried, but as I started writing the book, I realized this would be perfect for dummies. And so I sent them a book proposal, but it was too early. I think it was 2018 when I sent the proposal and they weren't ready to publish that title. And then I decided I'll just self-publish it. But then the pandemic happened. I was traveling a lot. So I wrote this book on how to become a digital nomad. And then I spent months trying to find editors and like figure out Amazon KDP, but I was multitasking with other stuff. And so eventually I kept in contact with Wiley. And when the pandemic happened, about a year into the pandemic, I followed up with them because I thought maybe now is a good time because now everyone understands remote work. Everyone understands the digital nomad lifestyle and they agreed. So I probably submitted the proposal at least three times in three years or four years. And then it was the the right timing. So it it happened. So persistence, guys. Absolutely. And I didn't know that. I thought for sure they had found you from YouTube or something and come to you and asked to have you write the book for them. So, wow, good for you. That is persistence. Yeah. And I think I could have in that time just self-published it in hindsight, but it all worked out for the best because Dummies is a very practical type of book series. And the digital nomad thing, becoming a digital nomad involves so many different steps. And so it really fits their their format better. If I were to do it over, I would say like people who are thinking of publishing a book, just start self-publishing. Your first books will probably be bad too. And, you know, if you write books and create content, like that can make it easier to get a publishing deal later. So I think that probably also had something to do with it. Like maybe when I first approached them, I don't even know if I had a YouTube channel or maybe I had 500 subscribers or something. So just keep up with it. Keep publishing and eventually those opportunities will compound. Are sponsors coming to you? Are you doing YouTube sponsorships or podcast sponsorships or any kind of product endorsements? I'm getting a lot of offers, but I'm declining 99% of them for just not being a good fit. Some companies have approached me and some of them are companies I already use their products. I did one with TransferWise, which is now called Wise, but I'm pretty selective about that. And I'm not afraid to approach companies if I really love their product and I want to work with them. Actually, the clothes I'm wearing now are from a company called Anatomy that another travel blogger connected me with them. And so it's great because as a female, it's really hard to find clothing that you can wear when you travel and all their clothes are built exactly for travel. And so they're very lightweight, they're wrinkle free, they all match together and combine really well. So I get really excited about that kind of stuff. But it's also funny that some of the companies that I approached to collaborate with at the very beginning of my content journey they ignored me or they even declined my affiliate applications. And now some of those same companies have actually approached me to work with me, but they don't know that they already rejected me before. Like they don't remember or like someone on their team rejected me. So I think that's also important for people is like just to focus on what you're doing first and that that kind of endorsement stuff will come later. And you'll also probably realize that endorsement money can be lucrative 
but it's also an opportunity cost away from your business, your content, helping your clients and stay focused on what you're doing the best at, like the 80-20 rule, and then just be really selective with the other stuff that comes along, like speaking engagements and endorsements. And that can be like the extra 10% that you do. So are you still doing client work? Is that where your revenue is coming from? Are you a 100% content creator? Are you now just author, YouTuber, traveler? It's still a mix. So client work is a big bulk of my income still, but also YouTube and ad revenue. And that's real estate? The client stuff is real estate or is it all? It's a relocation. Yeah. I actually was doing a remote career coaching too. So I was doing a lot more one-on-one stuff before, but now it's mostly my group program that's called Ready to Relocate. So that's hybrid, like one-on-one with me, but in a small group. So instead of just one-on-one, it's like a small mastermind where I lead them through step-by-step of the relocation process. And it also comes with an online course that they can access the the templates and the modules and things like that. And then a, a private Facebook group too. So is that an ongoing membership thing or is that time bound and kind of a course type of deal? We're launching a couple times per year. So enrollment is actually open right now. I'm opening it Next week, I already have the first call. So I talk with everyone one-on-one to make sure it's a good fit. It should be opening in June. People can apply at travelingwithkristen.com slash apply. We'll open a few times per year and everyone's on the same program. It, It takes about three and a half months to four months if we take some weeks off in between. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. So you did a video recently about why I quit YouTube. And we were talking about it before we hit the record button. And I just wanted to touch on it because you do a lot of stuff and you do amazing, amazing content. Everyone should check out her podcast and YouTube channel, but you had to quit. You like burned out a little bit. And I personally just really identified with the video because I did the same thing. I stopped doing YouTube for about four months when I was launching my Brand Strategy 101 course. And so I've been very acquainted with burnout in a couple of times in my career. Talk about that a little bit in terms of your sharing that and what that was like. Yeah, I know I didn't intend to take that much time off, but it really coincided with the launch of my program and doing a lot of things at the same time. And even having help, like having virtual assistants, having a remote team, you know, we're living in a time where people can do a lot. You know, they have families, they have their jobs, they have their side hustles. I think after sustained years of full-time travel and doing all these other jobs, I think it does catch up with you at some point. I thought, okay, I'll just, you know, take a week off here and there because I'm teaching my group program. But then I signed the book deal at the same time. So then writing a book is very mentally 
intensive and you only have so much cognitive ability per day. People know they only have a certain number of hours per day that they can do their really deep focused work. And so YouTube just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. I felt like after six months of not being on YouTube, I mean, a lot of people would think that's crazy. They think, why would you build your channel to over a hundred thousand subscribers and then disappear? But I think that your health is more important than your publishing schedule. Even though I was gone for six months, I kept thinking I would be back earlier. So I didn't actually make an announcement that I was leaving or why I left. It just kind of happened. So I felt like I should do a video explaining that before starting to publish again. I'm glad I did. I think there were a thousand comments in the first day. Wow, that's amazing. So (laughs) I think people really related to that. Yeah. I haven't even answered them all yet, but it definitely struck a chord with people. And a lot of content creators act like they can do the hustle culture 24-7 forever. But I just don't want to pretend like I can do that because I'm a human being. (laughs) You said one thing that I thought was really great, which we're living in a time when people can do a lot. And not only are you a content creator, extensive traveler, but you're also a really accomplished surfer. And I saw on your website, you're a drone pilot Yeah. and a DJ. I mean, come on, like where's the bullet point list end of all the things you don't expect of Kristen? So have the drone, <laughs> how the drone pilot thing happen. My friends say that too. Like the people who haven't seen me during the pandemic, they're like, you're a DJ now? Like what happened? <laughs> like what's next? Um, but you know, I think that humans used to be more multifaceted. You know that quote, Jack of all trades, master of none? That is an incomplete version of the quote. And I will scream this from the rooftops till the day I die because that quote held me back for a long time. It's Jack of all trades, master of none, oftentimes better than master of one. Mm, Wow. Who knew? I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. Who said it? I'm forgetting the name, but you can Google it. And there's definitely, it's attributed to somebody. It was, I think, a philosopher or somebody. It was a few hundred years ago, at least. So I think that humans, you know, when you go back and look at philosophers, they were experts or very knowledgeable in different fields. They were astronomy, philosophy, writing, politics, speaking. Painters. Exactly. And I think that the post-industrial system for the past couple hundred years has turned everyone into factory workers. Yeah. They want us to all be little automatons so we can service the economy. You know, they don't like Renaissance people. Yeah. But humans, I think, naturally are Renaissance people. And so there's been this confusion and this separation from our true identity of who we are at birth and then who we are when we come out of this system 20 years later, you know, after the education system. And so now whenever I have a desire to do things, I just do them. I mean, I, I try to not take on so many projects at the same time, but I think anyone can attest to if you have the desire to pursue some activity you've probably been interested in it for a really long time, like possibly as long as you can remember. So you woke up one morning and you said, I want to be a drone pilot. (laughs) How did it happen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the drone thing came along um, as part of learning how to make videos. I just thought drones were really cool. And I was like, why are all these drone pilots dudes? So I thought I'm going to be a female drone pilot. 
I didn't know any other girls who flew drones or had drones. And so I brought it with me everywhere. I would fly it from the mountaintops of Norway. I crashed it a couple times and it's really fun. Like I was never a video game type of person. So it was really difficult for me to learn how to control it. It's more cinematic to have those elements in your videos compared to just, you know, the standard camera angles. Yeah, I integrated that into my videos. And then the DJ thing I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid. I used to hang out with a DJ at the school dance, you know, watching them play. But I just never thought that I could do it for some reason. I wasn't very musically inclined in school. So the pandemic was an opportunity to slow down and actually learn that skill, which is very difficult when you're traveling because you need a lot of equipment. I do owe it to my listeners to hear at least a three-step process for like, if you want to tiptoe into digital nomad ship, what's the best way to do that? Is the best way to come and join your Facebook community or, you know, your program? What do you think people should think about before they do, or if they're even considering it? Yeah. The first thing that they should do is know that they can create their own definition of what location independence means to them. So it's like just defining what their vision is. Do they see themselves as digital backpackers that are going around the world with a one-way ticket? Do they want to just have more of a flexible lifestyle where they spend a few months traveling per year and maybe they're working at the same time? So it's to really define what that is. Yeah, joining my Facebook group, Badass Digital Nomads, is a good way to get like lots of tips and interact with people. But my content library on YouTube on traveling with Kristen has 500 videos on there. So pretty much any topic that you could think of around digital nomads, there's a video about it. And of course, my book as well. But for a three-step process would be first to decide what you want that lifestyle to look like. The second thing is what you want to get out of it, like your why behind becoming a digital nomad. The third step is how you're going to fund that lifestyle because there's a lot of people that say, you know, just buy a one-way ticket to Thailand and like you'll figure it out as you go. But that's really not setting yourself up for success. I mean, all of the successful digital nomads I know and all of my clients, everyone did something different. But the one thing they had in common is that they all had an income stream. And ideally, you want to have that income stream before traveling because You want to be able to enjoy the traveling part and not just be working in your business 80 hours a week or looking for jobs for the first six months that you're traveling because that's stressful. And then you're just living off your savings. And then the next step would be to take the first step. So just to plan your first trip somewhere, you can start somewhere that's closer to home. But usually, as it is with anything, like once you take the first step to doing something, you create some momentum and you see what that next step is. So technically, if you want to be a digital nomad, you could just take your phone, your laptop, your passport and a credit card, and you could just go to the airport and go somewhere with your laptop and figure it out. If you want to know more about like the logistics of everything, like what kinds of equipment to use, how to get internet everywhere, like what to do with your phone, what to do with your stuff, all those sorts of planning logistics, like how to book your flight, how to find housing, how to learn languages, how to meet people, like all that stuff is in my book and Digital Nomads for Dummies. I'm glad you said what you said because it made me think about a question I've always wanted to ask you, which is what does Kristen's traveling 
suitcase luggage look like? Like, is it a couple steamer trunks? Is it a backpack? Like, how much stuff are you traipsing around the world with? Uh, too much stuff. I'm not a carry-on only kind of person. Your drone, your surfboard. Yep, I have my carry-on luggage is full of equipment. So I never check my valuable stuff, even though I have extra insurance from the PPA, like the Photography Association of America or something. I always bring my drone, my camera stuff, now my DJ stuff that will all go in my carry-on. So I have a Manal backpack. It's right here. It's a laptop bag that I use as my personal item. I have a really, really heavy carry-on with all the camera equipment and stuff. And then I have a 50 pound suitcase with lots of clothes and stuff because usually when I'm traveling, I'm gone for months, if not a year. And I always use a fabric suitcase. I have a Dekine suitcase because they're light. And I find that the boxy ones, you can't fit as much stuff in there. It's like a duffel thing? Yeah, it's like a rolling duffel bag. Oh, okay. And I like that more than having a backpack because I already have a backpack. So I don't want to also carry my bag. I want to have a regular suitcase and be able to roll it around. And I don't mind that it's really big because I'm a slow traveler. So if I was going to a different place, like every week, I would pack way lighter. But being a slow traveler, going to places for a few months at a time, it's fine. And then I have some selection of what to wear and things like that. Okay. So I do this thing at the end of my podcast called the rapid fire round, which is 10 questions. And okay, here we go. What's your spirit animal? Oh, a dolphin. Morning person or night person? Both. Beach or mountains? Beach. Dog person or cat person? Dog. What's your secret talent most people don't know you can do besides DJing? <laughs> I was a gymnast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Favorite song of all time? Oh, gosh. I got to pass. I don't think a DJ can pick a favorite song. All right. I'll come back to that. That is the one that always stumps everybody, by the way. Yeah. I've only had one person who answered that like really quick. Favorite place in the world? Ooh. Ooh, that's a hard one. That is a really hard one. That's so difficult. I would say my favorite place in the world to live other than like Florida and Miami around my family would probably be a tie between Vancouver and Whistler in Canada and Amsterdam in the Netherlands, which you might not think for a beach person, but I also like cold weather. So what's the one thing you would love to master? I would like to learn music production next. Okay. Who's your hero? Seneca. And what's the one thing you would tell your 20-year-old self? Stop hesitating. All right. We're circling back, though. Favorite song of all time, or at least favorite song today. <laughs> so I've been listening to this techno producer named Etap Kyle, and I have a lot of his songs. That's just what I've been listening to a lot lately. So I don't think I can pick like one producer or one song because I have thousands of songs just on one USB. So I'll, I'll go with that. I, I play electronic music. So I've been exploring um, a lot of different niches, electronic music, and also a lot of Romanian minimal music, which is where my grandfather is from. He was a violinist who was like a violin prodigy, it said on his immigration card, and he got accepted into Juilliard. Wow. 
when he immigrated to the U.S. So I'm kind of going back to research my roots and my heritage of Romania and getting into the Romanian minimal producers that nobody will have heard of. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll name many of them. So finally, do you have a personal mantra or manifesto you try to live your life by? I would just say be yourself because there is no one like you and there never has been and there never will be in the whole existence of planet Earth. And, you know, you are here for a very particular reason that cannot ever be repeated. I love it. So Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the Brand Design Masters podcast. Where would you like people to get in touch with you if they want to? They can come over to travelingwithkristin.com. That's with a K and two I's, K-R-I-S-T-I-N. And you can fill out the contact form on my site. You can click on the relocation tab at the top if you're thinking of moving to another country, or you can put in travelingwithkristin.com slash apply to join my relocation program. And there's also links on there to my YouTube channel, to my podcast, Badass Digital Nomads. And then I'm also uh, traveling with Kristen on Instagram. Cool. Thank you, Kristen, for coming on the show. I appreciate you being here. Thanks, Philip. And I hope everyone enjoyed and go follow your dreams. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.